How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Mid Convo Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Lee, as always. Um, thank you so much for everyone who listened to last week's episode. I feel like I got a lot of good feedback on it. And if you listen to it, hopefully you took something away, something of value that you can apply in your business or your life. Today, I have a very special episode. We have a guest. Uh, finally, he actually is based in LA. Ricardo Ramirez um, at Richie Films on Instagram. He's a musician, filmmaker, entrepreneur, and you know he has a lot of uh, experience, a lot of practical value to offer. I feel like we get pretty deep into it in this podcast. A lot of relatable points. Um, he's worked with pretty big name people recently. Um, Casey Neistat. He works done some content for Usher. He's also been on some pretty big music video sets with big artists down in LA. So um, definitely. Take what you will from this episode, but without further ado, without without further ado, without further ado, let's just get right into it. But first, we gotta roll intro music. All right, guys, welcome to the Mid Combo Podcast. We're gonna get right into this one. I have a very special guest with us today. Um, his name is Richie at Richie Films on Instagram. Um, he is a, a filmmaker, musician, and entrepreneur. Uh, but I'm really excited to have him on, and he's actually here right now. Richie, what's going on, man? What's up, brother? First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, I know these are crazy times. I'd love to do this in person, but you know, we got Zoom. I know, man. 2020, man, got us got us messed up. I would love to do it in person too, but. <laughs> Uh, meeting in person might have to wait. We actually never met in person. We actually met through through Instagram. Um, Richie actually, we can get into it a little bit later, but he posted something on Instagram and caught my attention. And I was like, yo, we, we should get this guy on the podcast. I just feel like he has a lot of stuff to share, especially with people who are emerging in the creative scene. But we can get into all that in a little bit. Maybe Richie, you want to just like introduce yourself um, and and like what you do, where you're from, all that stuff. Yeah, man. So my name is Ricardo Ramirez. Um, nickname Richie and uh, I'm a filmmaker I'm a creative uh, I'm a musician I'm an entrepreneur currently based in Los Angeles and um, about three years ago I transitioned from being a full-time musician to being a full-time filmmaker and it's kind of all I've been doing lately and, and I love anytime I can mix film and music that's my sweet spot for me um, so yeah man yeah, that's, that's sweet. That's, you said so. So maybe let's go into a little bit about like your your music background. So when you say you're a musician, like how how does that work? Like what is the crossover there? How how did you go from musician to filmmaker? Yeah, so I started playing drums when I was about ten years old, and at fourteen I started playing professionally. And all that means is I started getting paid to play drums. <laughs> my dad it was in a band with my sister. My sister was a singer. My dad was a keyboard player. And their drummer quit their band, and my dad's like, okay, we need a drummer. Like, we're playing shows every single weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, okay, cool. At the time, I was really into skateboarding, and I didn't want to do anything but become a pro skater. And when he forced me to join the band, I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll do it. And then I started playing live shows with them, and I really fell in love with it. And I pursued a career from then on um, in, in music. So I did music all throughout high school. Um, I got a scholarship right out of high school to go to a, a music school in, in L.A., um, and I studied there under some incredible musicians. Um, and I was just chasing the dream of a, a musician that was playing live with A-level, A-list celebrities and, and artists. Like, my goal was always to play with John Mayer or Justin Timberlake or one of those gigs, you know. So I was doing it. Um, I was living in LA, I was playing drums on America's Got Talent, I was traveling and touring the world with a bunch of different um, artists, and I understood then when I was 18, 19, that it's important for me to make content to promote myself as a drummer. So I would, you know, I always had a GoPro with me, and I would record all my shows and post them to YouTube and make little YouTube clips, so that's how I started editing videos and getting familiar with Final Cut and iMovie and all that stuff, and then Later on, I ended up buying a nicer camera because I wanted better video, better photo, and I started using a camera to start networking with musicians, mm -hmm. and it, it kind of flipped, and uh, eventually, musicians started seeing that my content was pretty good, just because I had a, a DSLR, 
um, and they started asking me to make videos for them. And that kind of started that word of mouth uh, recommendation of like, hey, if you need a video for either your music or an EPK or whatever, there's this guy, Richie, that makes, he's a musician, but he also makes videos. And I just started getting booked for a ton of video work. Is that super loud? No, no, you're good. Is that lawnmower? Yeah, it's like, like right out. It's the leaf. No, no, like you're good. Right you're outside good, my good. window. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you're listening to this, guys, too bad. I mean, we're going to have to do it. <laughs> it's fine. Disclaimer. I, think, I think it's fine. Yeah. Disclaimer. It's okay. Disclaimer. <laughs> Richie doesn't have bad audio. It's just the lawnmower. Okay, guys. <laughs> but yeah, go the ahead. Gar- continue. The gardeners decided to come today. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I started making videos for musicians and the, the word got out that... Um, that you know I was a musician and a filmmaker and I started getting booked a ton for that kind of stuff and eventually I started making like really good money and I'm like if you know if if this many people are booking me to shoot video it must mean that I'm decent at it you know maybe I should invest a little bit more time and money into really learning this craft and um, three years ago something kind of drastic happened to my wife where she couldn't stop working she had to stop working and I kind of had to just step up and be like okay I'm going to be the breadwinner for however long we need. And filmmaking was one of those tools that allowed me to make a a good amount of money and then still be home to take care of her uh, while I was editing videos and stuff like that. So that's when I really decided to go all in. And around that time, too, is is, uh, when I got the the gig with Zoom Audio. Um, Mm -hmm. I shot a video for uh, one of my friends who's a, a bass player. A really famous bass player plays with a lot of huge artists and I was trying to network with him as a musician and he asked me if I could shoot a video for him for the the company zoom audio they made a guitar pedal for him and he needed to make a little promo video I shot that video for him and um, we sent it into the company the company wanted a couple more edits so I ended up making like seven or eight edits of the same thing and at the end of that the president of zoom calls me and says hey we love your work we want you to continue shooting all of our videos and at the time i was a full-time musician still and i'm like i don't know like just so you know i'm, I'm a i'm a musician not a filmmaker and they're like well whatever you do man we love what you're doing and we want to continue working with you so at that moment that's when i really got serious and and the a7s2 had just came out and it was the biggest talking cameras and mm-hmm. i saved up money i bought that camera and then that's when i really went all in and then i i, I think like many of us i went down that YouTube rabbit hole of just learning everything and from cameras to lighting to audio Mm -hmm, to exposure mm -hmm. and you know all the nerdy stuff about videography (laughs) that YouTube Academy can't beat it I feel like a lot of people I don't think I've actually actually like two weeks a couple weeks ago I had a buddy of mine who went to film school but like dropped out but everyone that I know in the creative agents uh, industry a lot of them started with just YouTube so man thanks so much for sharing your story though I I relate to you because I feel like I've been on other podcasts too and I know we just covered like so much ground in that story. Like we you just like literally gave like a a little short condensed version of probably like the last like 6 7 years of your life. So I'm sure that was um we just like zoomed past a bunch of that stuff. But um I'm trying to figure out like I think it's really fascinating that you started out in music and it sounds like you had a a pretty strong um background in it. But you said earlier that you also wanted to be a pro skater before that. And then yeah. you want to be like a pro musician after that. And then you want to be honestly sounds like you're on this journey to be like the best director or filmmaker right now and just make awesome quality content. So it sounds like you've always had this drive to be less like the best at whatever it is that you're trying to do, which I find pretty fascinating. Um, have you were you just like born with that or like how, how did you um, cultivate that kind of always wanting to learn, always wanting to like be the best at whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. And what's funny is I, I realized that about myself when I was younger and it's, it's kind of trippy that you say that cause I've, I've never had anybody realize that about me. And it's true. Like when I was skateboarding as a kid, I loved it so much. And I'm like, I want to be a pro skater. I was watching all the skate movies with Chad Muska and Eric Costin, and like all these guys. And I'm like, I want to do that. And whatever it was to do that, I would just try to figure it out when I was younger. And then when I transitioned into drumming, I fell in love with drumming and it was the same thing. How do I do this for the rest of my life? Like my mind was never in the nine to five mentality. 
it was how can I play drums for the rest of my life and make a living at it because it's it's my passion and if I can do my passion and make a living at it I'm happy so I I've always had this drive in me I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit in me that as uh, when I was younger I didn't know what to call it but I was in sixth grade my dad would take me to the 99 cent store. I would buy candy and I would flip it in class. Um, you know, I, I, I'd go, you know, I'd probably spend five bucks on candy and I'd come home with like $25. And my dad was like, cool. Yeah. Let's take you back to the store. Like, let's go buy more. <laughs> yeah. So I never knew what that call, what, what that was called. And as I got older and as, as entrepreneurship got cooler and, and we got the, the Gary V's and the Grant Cardone's on social media, I started realizing that like, Hey, maybe I am an entrepreneur. And um, when I was actually in music school in 2014, me and my buddy Marius, we met at our school and we actually started a music school for kids. So we were teaching drums, guitar, singing and piano. Uh, we rented a facility in Glendale and at one point had like almost 40 students signed up to us that were coming weekly for music oh, wow. lessons. Yeah. And that was my, my first real business venture. Um, so it wasn't just about being a, a musician playing live and being a filmmaker and, and doing stuff for clients. I love building businesses. And it's it's almost the same way I, I treated my my drumming. You know, I, I, I wasn't just playing live. I understood that in order to get to the level I wanted to get, I had to brand myself. I had to make videos. I had to make content. I had to network and stuff like that. Um, and then when I when I transitioned into filmmaking, it was the same thing. It, it's that climb as an entrepreneur, as a, a businessman, and as a just creative in general, we're always pushing each other to be like, what's the next thing I can do? What's the next gig I can do? What's the next thing I can learn? Um, and, and I just have, I have that drive and that passion in me that even my wife from day one is just like, I'm scared of how ambitious you are. Cause you've always at 19, I quit my job because I got offered to go on tour and, and like four days later, the guys were like leaving. They're like, Hey, we need a drummer. Our drummer bailed. Are you down? And I'm like, I was a um, I was a manager at Aldo, and I called my manager on the spot, and I'm like, "Hey, today's my last day. I quit. I'm going on tour." And they're like, <laughs> "What? You can't quit?" Yo. And I'm like, "Today's my last day, so y'all better figure it out." And I went on tour for a month and a half. We it was six guys in a van. We drove from L.A. all the way to New York and hit every single city in between and state. Performed I don't know how many thirty forty shows. And then drove back in a minivan from from New York, and like wow. I loved it, man. I, I like I loved it. And at the time, I had my GoPro and I was filming everything, and I was posting stuff on YouTube and stuff at the time. So all that I think just prepared me to where I'm at now as a filmmaker, you know. And I love what I'm doing, working with the people that I get to work with, and directing the stuff that I get to direct. Um, the truth is, I don't know if I will always be. A filmmaker there might be something five years down the road that, that I come across that I love and I might start pursuing that and go all in on that maybe it's a tech company or maybe it's my own brand or my own like teaching about filmmaking and stuff like that so mm -hmm. I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now my my first passion will always be music and the filmmaking was always kind of a a secondary thing that I'm like this is a really fun hobby that I enjoy <clears throat> and I'm glad that now I can make a living from filmmaking, but I don't know if it's going to be the end all be all for, for me. Sure. You know, yeah, that's awesome. What, um, what about uh, for yourself though? I have a quick question for yourself. Yeah, yeah, shoot. Did you know that you always wanted to be a filmmaker, or did you have something that you previously did when you were younger that was different? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, mine, um, mine's a little less elaborate. I definitely didn't go on tour <laughs> when I was <laughs> nineteen, but um, I I didn't know I was going to be a filmmaker. I actually thought I wanted to be like a a professional like photographer when I first got picked up a camera like I thought like I was gonna be like that guy who like gets like these like crazy gigs and works in the studio and gets paid like an outrageous amount of money for like just one headshot or just like a one studio sesh that kind of thing yeah um, how old were you when you realized that or when, when you wanted probably to, like, like 17 like 17 okay, cool. 18 but similar to you I've always kind of had um I, like I like you said like I didn't know what it was called at the time but I've always had this like trait inside of me that wanted to succeed, wanted to always like turn something into a business, wanted to always like, I love creating stuff from nothing. Like I like seeing yeah. things grow. And so I think 
that's where I kind of got my whole passion for content creation because, you know, with content, you're, you're literally creating something out of thin air. Like it's not even anything yet. And you, right. you pre-plan it, you shoot it, you edit it. Like it's just a, it's an awesome process. And I think that's why I loved photography because um, it, you're really like trying to capture something and create something out of like what would have just been a, a moment in time. And so... Right from there kind of transition to the transition into filmmaking but you know before content i mean like i i thought i wanted to be in the medical industry you know i tried to pick up a guitar and thing like that at the time like i was just trying a lot of things like trying to find out my hobbies right but uh i guess from a young age i didn't know filmmaking was going to be like my end all be all and even mm-hmm. now like like you said similar to you i don't know if it's going to be my end all with filmmaking right like right now i'm kind of on this journey of kind of like the creative coaching i guess you could say and i I really enjoy that so i don't know Um, they kind of go together but at the same time it might translate to something really different um right in a in a a couple years but um i wanted to though that filmmaking could be the medium for that yeah 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 that next level i think it's just a transition point you know i think we're all just dealing with transitions you know what i mean like life is just like a collection of all these experiences and we try to find the best way to like transition to a new thing in life whether that be marriage or career or family whatever it is right so i feel like that's just really interesting just to hear from you that you also had this feeling when you were young you just didn't know what it was called um i feel like right now with how the digital world is it like the words like entrepreneur passion all this stuff kind of gets muddled down just because there's so many people trying to do the same thing um which kind of goes into what i was um gonna ask which is that I feel like this podcast, a lot of the guests that I've had, we do talk about passion chasing a lot, you know, and I feel like when I was first starting out, a lot of people would say like, oh, how did you, man, it's so cool that you have a passion, you know, you have a passion and I'm like, obviously that's what it's called, but at the same time, I just feel like I liked doing things. And so for you, one one kind of thing I took away from your story between like skating and, and musician and filmmaking Uh, and music it was more just the fact that you always went all in though right you always went all in it was never like i mean you never were saying like oh man you know i i need to be a musician even though i have a hobby in filmmaking you're like i'm open to the idea of trying out filmmaking and going all in on it do you have anything to say to some people who feel like oh i don't have a i don't have a passion but then at the same time they don't ever go all in on anything. So how can you really know if something is for you if you don't go all in on it, right? Yeah, so I, I had the same feeling when um, I, I had been pursuing music and drumming for a long time, but I was I was scared to go all in because of what that might look like. It, because it, you don't have security, you know. When I, when I graduated high school, I started in the retail world. I became a sales associate at Levi's, and then from there I kind of went up the ladder and my last job ever that I had six years ago, I was an assistant manager at Vans Shoes um, in, a, in a shopping mall. And during that time, I was working during the week and I was playing gigs on the weekend. And, and my gigs were my passion. That's what I wanted to do full time. But at the same time, I still needed some sort of consistent paycheck. And I feel like a lot of creatives are in the same world of like, hey, I love photography, but... I have a job and I need consistent money. I need that paycheck every two weeks for security. And I'm really scared to make that leap if I leave my job and I go into photography, like what if I fail? And what I tell people is one, if you just have an office job, if you're working in like a fast food chain, a restaurant, those jobs are always gonna be there. You can, you can, Quit your job tomorrow and you can start photography. And for the next two years, if you don't make it as a photographer, guess what? You can go back to that office job. It's still going to be there. You can go back to fast food. It's going to be there. So that, that hopefully can encourage somebody of like, yo, I, I don't have much to lose. Like I can go try it. And if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to working fast food, you know? And then the next thing would be, how how do you know what you're passionate about well first you have to test a lot of different things anything that you're curious about go test it um i i'm not a big advocate about like school and going to college and further education just because 
school for me wasn't super enjoyable. I always felt like I was more of a hands-on and that entrepreneur type spirit where I want to just go out, get my hands dirty and be more street smarts. But I'm thankful that right after high school, I went to community college because that allowed me to test a lot of different things. And I think college is where you can get out all of your curiosities. And if there there's anything that you go to sleep at night thinking about, that's something that you need to pursue and actually try. So I've been thinking about YouTube for years. Every time I go to sleep, I'm just like, oh, I need to be on YouTube. I need to be on YouTube. I need to make YouTube videos. <laughs> and that that to me is maybe a passion that I might have that I haven't fully explored. So if if anybody's listening and there's that one thing that you always go to sleep thinking about and you wake up thinking about, that might be your passion. Pursue it. Now, a practical way to do it. A practical way to do it is if you still want security, but you want to follow your passion and hopefully your passion will become your, your nine to five one day, then do this. Go work your nine to five job, come home, spend two hours with your family, three hours. So from nine to five, you're working from five to seven or eight. You're spending time with the family, doing dinner. If you have kids, you know, you're doing all that. And then from eight o'clock to 12 o'clock or one in the morning, that's when you work on your passion and you're creating art, you're practicing photography, you're practicing video, you're practicing your drumming, whatever you can do in that eight to 12 o'clock, put in the hours and put in the reps because eventually that hobby might turn into your full-time job. So my, my wife right now is, she's a vintage reseller and she's working on creating her own business, you know, reselling sustainable clothing. And I told her the same thing when she was working, she was doing a nine to five. And I'm like, if you really want this to be your main thing, when you come home, that's when you should be posting on Poshmark, posting your photos, doing your Instagram lives. And now she's making a full-time living from doing that. Wow. That's awesome. You know that, so that, and to me, that's a practical way of saying like, I don't have time. I work. It's like, well, you have time. It's just a matter of do you want to put in the time because it's it's not easy for us to live as a full-time filmmaker. Like it's a lot of work. I think people don't realize how much work it really takes and how much yeah. more work it takes in a nine to five. If we, if we work the nine to five, we can just clock out at five o'clock and we're good. It's like, no, we wake up, we're editing all day, we're filming, we're doing client calls. They call us at 9 p.m. and want a revision because they're, they're trying to post tomorrow morning and we need mm-hmm. the photos, we need this, we need that. You know, I work 12 hours a day. But at the same time, I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, I, I've been self-employed for the last six years and um, I'm absolutely thankful for it. That's sweet, man. Man, that's crazy. I feel like... uh so I recently just got married uh, back in March during COVID. And um, congrats. I, I, thanks, man. I feel like your story, just talking to you. I mean, that's what we do on this podcast is I get to know people, but I can relate to so many parts of your story. Like me too. Like after high school, I went to community college um, and that also allowed me to be able to be more mobile and not be so committed to like, if I was at university, I'd be like, dude, I can't, I can't be distracted. I just got to like get my degree. But because I went to community right. college, I didn't take out any student loans. I didn't go broke to like go to college. Same. So like I, I had more like playroom to like figure things out. Um, mm-hmm. I also worked retail. I was at Zoomies before I went to Nordstrom. And then from Nordstrom, I went to like a startup job. And then that's when I quit and then did my whole like filmmaking thing. So I feel like there's a lot of parts nice. of your story that I can really relate to because um, my wife too, she, uh, she does um, like dental sales, but she's also trying to, she loves interior design and she loves just like aesthetic mm-hmm. things. And I'm like, you can do it. Like you have the eye for it. You just have to figure out how to brand it, how to market it and then put in the work for it. So right. I just feel like there's so much good stuff there. I love how you broke down the just like practical ways to, to do things. Cause I feel like that's what people are looking for on this podcast or just people who listen to podcasts in general. Um, don't get me wrong. I think like people who say like, yeah, chase your dreams, like find your passion. Like you have it in you, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's yeah. good and all, but having the practical, the practical tips and advice, like, okay, this is the time block hours for you to actually pursue something of value, I think is really important. So man, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. Uh, one thing I wanted to kind of go into next would probably just be, it sounds like 
in your journey, whether that be skating or um, filmmaking or being a musician, it sounds like you kind of always knew who you looked up to, like in the industry. Like you've always had like your North Stars, like, man, like I want to be up here at this point with these people one day and those kind of things. So how and then also in the filmmaking world, too, I know that um, you recently just shot some videos for Casey Neistat and in, in music, music and filmmaking, you also do some stuff for Usher. Like, I know that you have those, you know, North Stars and those people you look up to in your industries. How did you how did you like bridge that gap? I guess it's more of a networking question, but I feel like a lot of people, they always lower themselves like so far below these people that they look up to that they almost never have the opportunity to actually work at the level that they want to work at so right. how did you kind of close that gap um so i have this mentality that i can reach anybody and i think that starting with that already puts you in the mindset of like okay i, I can work with anybody i want to like in my mind i can like work with Elon Musk one day, <laughs> even though it, it seems like such a far stretch. I'm like, he's, he's just human. He's human like me. The same thing when, when I worked with Casey Neistat, it was like, dude, he's a human. He's a cool dude. Um, and my mentality is, is I can, if I can get to them in some way, shape or form to work with them, like that I learned so much just by osmosis and being in the same room with these people. And that's what I aspire for. Um, so working with Casey, I, I, when I started filmmaking around three, four years ago, he was one of the first persons that I found on YouTube. And I, and I, um, I loved the way he made videos. Like the way he made videos is how I would want to make videos. His storytelling, his framing, the way he captures the story where it's so raw and straight cuts and clean. I'm like, dude, I, I something about his filmmaking I really gravitate to. Um, and I became a fan, like many people. Um, and I started watching all the vlogs and all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, I, I just want to work with this guy one day. So that that manifestation started three years ago. And then ever since then, on, on the journey of becoming a filmmaker, in the back of my mind, it's like, how do I get to Casey? How do I get to Casey? How do I get to Casey? And same thing with, with uh, some of the other people that I started working with in the music video world. Um, how do I get to Andrew Sandler? How do I get to Mike Ho? How do I get to this production company? How do I work with that person? And again, I'm, I'm a very practical person, so I always like to break things down in, in a practical manner. So here's advice for anybody who wants to work with people like Casey Neistat or anybody in, in your network that that you want to um, to work under. Find the people. Sorry, I hit my mic. Find the people around them. That's the easiest way to get to work with a Casey, with an Usher, with a, a Chris Brown, a Tyga. It's going to be really hard for you to DM Tyga and be like, yo, can I be your videographer? He's never going to see it. But if you find Tyga's manager, if you find Tyga's assistant, if you find Tyga's hairstylist, whoever you can find that's already in that circle, that's the easiest way for you to get in. It was the same thing when I wanted to work with Gary Vee. Like, I'm a huge Gary Vee fan. I've learned so much from him. I, I said, how can I get to Gary Vee? And one way was through his filmmakers. So I started hitting up D-Rock and Babin and his assistant Tyler and I'm just like hey anytime you guys are in LA I would love to help you guys film Daily V um, if you guys ever need a second camera operator or if Gary's coming out here and he doesn't have a videographer like I'd love to to fill that position and I would just keep DMing them until one day Babin finally responded to me um, Babin is another amazing creator Tyler on YouTube. Yep. yeah so Tyler hit me up because they were coming to LA and he forgot his microphone and he's like, yo, I'm, I'm filming in L.A. I need a mic. Can you hook me up? I'm like, dude, absolutely. So I, I drove at like 7 a.m. to go meet them where they were at. I gave him a microphone. I'm like, yo, if you need a B-cam, like I'll shoot B-roll for the vlog. He's like, yeah, cool. Like do your thing. So that was my connection to Gary V. It wasn't directly through Gary, but it was because I met Babin. I provided value for Babin. And through that connection, I got to meet and work with Gary V. You know, so that to you know again to break that down practically is who is the circle around these people 
that you that you can get to that will eventually get you to that next level. Yeah. So if I if I wanted to get to Elon Musk, who are the people that work around him, and how can I potentially provide value for one of those? I, I here's here's what I don't want people to do. I don't want people to just find his manager or his assistant and be like, hey, can I can I hang out with Elon Musk <laughs> for two hours? It's like no, it's not going to happen that way. You have to provide value in some way shape or form so anytime when when i hit when i message casey i'm just like hey i'm a filmmaker i'll work for free i just want i want to help you with any project i can camera operate i can grab coffee i have my own gear i have a drone if you need me to drone up whatever it is that i can do to provide you value value for free um i'm down to do it one because that will get me in the room with casey and two he can see what kind of work I can create and he can see what kind of person I am. And hopefully by that first experience, if I provide enough value, he'll be like, okay, this guy's cool. I could actually continue using him for future projects. And um, we worked together about three times and recently I finally got my first paid gig with him, which was the Adobe thing. So that that was pretty awesome. At first I didn't want money. I just said, I, I want to gain your trust as a filmmaker. And then eventually it turned into a relationship and eventually it turned into a paid opportunity, which is, is the best result. All right. Quick disclaimer for people uh, who just listened to Richie talk about all the, the knowledge bombs he just dropped on all of us, because that's what Midconvo is about. We find something in the middle where I just feel like it's just so much value. Although there's been so much value already, I feel like that networking part you just hit on was really good. And also quick disclaimer, like all the people that Richie just talked about, like, Tyga, Casey Neistat, Gary Vee, like he's not just saying these as people, like he actually worked with these people. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely like, I'm not so huge on cloud or anything, but that's super credible. The fact that you've actually worked with these people. So I feel like you should really take to what, take into consideration what Richie just said about networking and all those practical tips that he just gave, because I feel like you can really network and build your network with those tips of like working the people around because i felt the same way too you know a lot of times people will um hit me up and be like hey like how how do you how did you work with this brand or 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 this person you know and they're always like i don't i don't have a network i don't have clients i don't have people that i know and i'm like well that's because you're so focused on trying to make money and it's like it's also because they don't view these people in in the same light and i feel like that is a big part and what i mean by that is that if they think of working with Usher, if they think about working with Casey Neistat, Gary Vee, like usually when they're first starting out, the first thing they think of is like, dang, that must be like so much money. They're, they're balling. Like I'm going to get paid out to work with this right. person. And I feel like that's the number one flaw already in their thinking, because like you said, it's all about the free value. And honestly, like even though like Casey Neistat doesn't pay you, you could work for free. You could be grabbing him coffee, but just that exposure, you know, that exposure to being around Casey, whether that means you get a brand or another person through Casey or you just Casey just provides value from his experience that that is in, that is like priceless. You can't really put a price on that. It's almost more worth it than working with some one off gig that's going to pay you like a lot because that usually those kind of gigs like once that's done, like it's done. You know what I mean? Like they might refer you to another brand, but I feel like networking with people who who really have built something successful can you can learn a lot from them and so i i would i can't agree with you more on the just providing free value you know and not doing it like the the cop-out way just like dming them or trying to find like their number one manager and being like hey uh can i work with them I'll, I'll do it for free. Not like that, but being more intentional. Like you said, like, right. you know, I know Babin, I, I haven't met in person, but we, we talk here and there on social media. And like, it's just those things that you just do consistently, you know, like when you think about building your network, it's not something that you can do like right away. It's something that you just slowly build. Like I'm sure like D-Rock, Babin, you probably message them a couple times here and there. You, you interact on their Instagram posts. And then before you know it, even though you guys haven't worked together, they're like, okay, yeah, they both might mutually be like, hey, have you heard of this like Richie Films guy? Yeah, like me too. Like I know who he is. And you haven't even talked to Gary Vee. You don't even texted him, not even once yet. So it's like those little interactions can really build to something even bigger. Um, Man, that was was sweet. I think one more thing to hit on in in this point is it takes a lot of patience. Um, For example, before I emailed 
um, Casey. I got Casey's email through a friend that had worked with him and he gave me his email and I, I waited about six months to message him because of like, one, I felt like I wasn't ready at the time in case he did need something, if I can provide anything that he needed. So I waited a little bit. I knew he was moving to, to California. So that's when I really kicked in the gear of like, he's going to be in my backyard. Like we, I, I now have absolute access to him in some way, shape or form. Let me wait for the right time. So I, the, the moment he landed in LA, I wasn't like, yo, let me work with you. Cause I knew he was going to be getting situated, moving, getting comfortable. I knew he was taking a break from social media, just from, you know, watching. And that, that's another thing. It's awareness. If I want to work with this person, I need to be aware and try to judge where he's at in life right now. Like, does, does he even have the time to bring in somebody right now? It's like, no, he's focused on so many other things. Let me wait. And once he started being active again on social media and started posting some YouTube videos and posting on Twitter, that's when I was like, okay, it seems like he's finally settled into LA. He's he's starting to create again. Maybe this is now my opportunity to message him and, and see if I can create with him. So if I would have sent that email six months ago, I, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at now. So it, it was ultimate patience. I had a golden ticket and I'm just like waiting to cash it in at the right moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm, I'm glad I did it when I finally did it. So I guess another piece of advice is it takes a lot of patience. Um, this is something that I thought about three years ago. It's like, I want to work with Casey one day and ever, like every other month I'd find a way of like, um, oh, he's going to be at this event. Let me see if I can go to like VidCon and network with him and be like, yo, like I'd love to work with you in any capacity. Like I'll go to New York, whatever. And it, it was always this constant chase until the right time finally happened. So if if any of the listeners are DMing people and they're not responding, it's going to take a couple times. It's going to take a lot of no's until you finally get a yes. You know, you might have to send six or seven emails. You might have to send 10 DMs to somebody uh, until you finally get a yes. And don't be yeah. weird about it. Just try to provide value, try to be simple with, with your approach and always provide value and, and don't try to take, if you're going to DM somebody, just be like, Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a photographer. I'm a graphic designer. I would love to design something for you. And mm-hmm. boom, that's, that's the message. That's mm-hmm. it. And if they respond, then you can start that relationship. And one thing that I got from my, one of my good friends, Edwin Carranza, who's an amazing bass player, um, he talked about networking on, on a recent podcast that I filmed and he said this line that really stuck with me and it was normalize your relationships, meaning our work be- comes from our network and all these professionals that we get to work alongside of, but taking it a step further to normalize that relationship to like, be like, okay, work aside, how are you as a person? How's your family? How's your kids? Like, how's your new house you just got? Oh, you just got a new car. Like, that's awesome. I'm like, oh, you love coffee too, dude. I love coffee. Normalize that relationship so it doesn't feel like all you're doing is taking work from somebody or, or using somebody for their network. You know, like, I'm, I'm thankful that that Babin got me the opportunity to work with ba- with Gary, but I don't want to use Babin just for that. Definitely, like, I, definitely. I, I, I care about what he does. I care about his creativity and and I love his content and I want to support him in that fashion. And it just so happens that we work together in the same industry and he works with one of my idols. So it's like, how can I provide you value to eventually meet this guy that I I think is really dope, you know? So don't, don't do it in a vein of like, how are you going to help me get to where I'm at, where I want to go? Be a good person in the process. And I think people really, really see that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like, I really love that. Normalize your relationships. That's that's like really awesome. Because I feel like mm-hmm. I've, I feel like I've said um, similar things on this podcast about normalizing relationships, but maybe like just not that concise. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a, like I couldn't agree more because a lot of times some people in the beginning they'll I guess you call it fanboying and and mm-hmm. like kind of over like looking too high of others and who are in the creative industry. And when you do that too early on, you're like already shooting yourself in the foot um, at anything genuine because you've already put yourself like below them, you know? And I feel like 
I have a lot of experience like that. I mean, there's probably people that I've met where I was like, oh, snap, like, you know, like, that's so cool. Like, I just talked about in my last podcast about networking, but I went to uh, Iceland with Peter McKinnon and Maddie Hapoya when I worked at my last job. And I mean, Sick. like, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, like yeah. Iceland for a whole week with these huge YouTubers. Like, of course, I was kind of losing it a little bit, but yeah. I realized. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> but then I mean, but. I probably didn't. I thought I was, but I probably didn't because I feel like after the trip, we didn't build anything genuine. And that was my very first lesson though at, because mm-hmm. I never met someone like of that caliber where I was like, oh snap. So now like I've worked with a couple influencers here and there and definitely what you just said, like normalizing that relationship and just being like, hey, like I have something of value to bring to you. You have something of value to bring to me. Let's just be friends and help each other. When you have right. that kind of mentality, it really gets rid of a lot of the weird things that they already deal with on a daily basis with other people. Like you don't want to be another creator just being like, Oh my gosh, your work is so cool. Let's work together. Like they get that all the time. So how do you separate yourself? How do you make it different? And one thing I wanted to add to that as well, I'm not sure if um, this has ever happened to you, but uh, for me, like when I was starting out in the creative industry, like I was trying to build my network. Right. So I would DM, these big people like oh love your work like let's uh let's grab coffee sometime or you know the right. coffee stuff's awesome like everyone's always like let's grab coffee let's grab coffee i it's use like the, that one a million it's the, times it's the go-to right but it's so funny because obviously a lot of these uh influencers they always left me on red you know they always left me on red and i think now i'm starting to understand more like if you're listening to this if someone you follow leaves you on red don't take it too personal like some of these people they get literally thousands or hundreds of dms like they don't have time to be like thanks for dming how are you like it just it's not how it right. goes even even you and me we probably get a lot of emails a lot of dms and we're not even like huge influencers and even that mm. can be overwhelming at times so yeah. just don't take it too personal if someone doesn't reciprocate your dm but right. one story that i wanted to share was there i don't know if you follow him but um he's around the area his name's rob strock um he he's like a pnw so like back in the day I, I followed his work pretty closely and this is when like pacific northwest was was blowing up you know like the whole like landscape photography where you make yeah. like the person look really small in the screen <laughs> and it's like this crazy landscape yeah so that's when i was like kind of really heavy into that and i really looked up to him and i remember i dm'd him like hey love your work like would love to meet up or something like that left me on red um fast forward to maybe like literally like four years maybe like four years I, I posted a, a film called I Quit and it was like my quitting job film and he actually stumbled upon it somehow like I don't know how but he stumbled upon it and he actually shot me a DM like after he watched it and was like hey like I don't know how stumbled upon your your I Quit Your Job film like I can totally relate just keep going and like you'll get to where you gotta go Sick. and it's crazy because when you look at the dm like when he sent that to me you can still see that first one that he left on red from like 2016 and then he sent that one and that's when it really clicked for me that you have to stay in your lane regardless of like building a network all this kind of stuff it's it's really great but at the same time don't live or die by your network like there's so Mm -hmm. much that's still in your control, like building your skills as a filmmaker, building your skills um, as an editor, like all those things, like you don't need a bunch of network to do that. That's all on you. Now, the stuff that we're talking about before with like building a network, that's kind of like the extra stuff that you kind of want to keep in the back of your mind, just like how you've always wanted to work with Casey. It wasn't like you were going to not pick up a camera until you started working with Casey. It's like, I'm going to work on my craft, stay in my lane. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is like one of my goals. You know, I'm trying to work with like Casey Neistat. So people, they get so crippled when like they don't get to have a network or work with this brands or people that they want to. But it's like, you're not thinking about all that is in your control. Start Mm -hmm. focusing on that. And naturally all the other pieces will kind of just like fall into place. At least that's how, how it's felt for me. They will. And, and you get more confidence as you as you go. Like if if I would have got the opportunity to work with Casey three years ago, I would not have been ready. I yeah. would have got I would have worked with him. I would have not known what I was doing with my camera and my exposure and footage. I probably would have shot something for him, given him the footage and it's all blown out. <laughs> my shutter speed is off and I would just shot myself in the foot. So like 
make sure that you're practicing your craft so when you do get that opportunity you are 100% ready and for the most part you're confident you know it's still nerve-wracking like being around Casey and and him like I have to shoot something that's now going to be in his vlog it's still challenging but all the work that I've done in the past with all these different brands and people and I've shot weddings I've shot car videos I've shot restaurants I've done I've done so many different yeah. things and and all these random videos have finally prepared me for the moment that I get to work with Casey whether it's he needs drone cinematography and we only have five minutes to catch it I'm ready I've done enough drone video where I know exactly what I need to do if I would have never flown a drone before that I would have totally failed when when we met a couple weeks ago and, and he needed a drone shot and he said we have five minutes to do it and I'm like, yeah. Uh. So when that pressure is there, like that's when you really have to perform. Um, yeah. And and I just think it's important to practice your craft as much as you can, even though you might not be, you know, you might be left on red by these people that you you DM Peter McKinnon, he might leave you on red. But guess what? Two years, three years later, when you make that film and and Peter sees the film and he DMs you and and you finally have the chance to say, hey, I want to work together. Guess what? You've put in the work. You're ready. Yeah. So when Peter says, hey, I need a B-cam operator for, for this shoot, you are 100% ready. And when you show up to set, you can finally have that conversation of, what are we shooting? Are we doing 24? Are we doing 60? Oh, we need an ND on this. Uh, you know what? I think this yeah. frame would look really cool. And then they're like, okay, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And that's mm-hmm. how you start to build that trust and that relationship. Yeah, definitely. So again, it's it's patience. It's knowing the goal but having the patience to get better and better and better. So when you finally get that opportunity, you can, you can kill it. Um, there's this video that kind of went viral for me, which was uh, little Wayne, Travis Barker and um, Anir banks. Uh, I, I got the opportunity to be on set for this music video and little Wayne had come in and he only did about three takes for the music video. <clears throat> and they wanted to do a little quick performance and I overheard Travis Barker's photographer, his name is Daniel Rojas. He was like, uh, we don't have the right equipment to shoot this and there's no microphone and we have to record audio. And like I had my ear open and then Travis walks away and I, I go up to, to Daniel and I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? He's like, they want to shoot this quick performance video with Wayne, but like we don't have audio. I don't have a Ronin. Like I, they want to do this, this. And I'm like, yo, I have my Ronin. I have my Sony <laughs> set up on it. I have a Rode microphone on it. I can shoot it if you want. He's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, when are we doing it? He's like, now. I'm like, like right now. He's like, now. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. I run and grab my camera. I come back and there's one take. That's it. There's no do-overs because Little Wayne is walking out the door and Travis Barker just sat on the drums. They're changing a lens because they're in the middle of shooting a music video. And I had one shot and I'm like, okay, this is it. But my experience as a drummer, as a musician, as a filmmaker, me operating my Ronin for hours and hours on my own music videos, I'm like, I'm ready, I'm set. Like I was nervous because I'm working with Lil Wayne and Travis Barker. There's 20 people around me and they're all like looking at me filming this. But I was so ready and so confident because all the reps that I put in in the past, filming these smaller videos, corporate videos, Everything that I've done has prepared me for that moment where I literally had one take and I didn't know what I was about to film. They're just like, just film it. I was I was even like, hey, can I put a lav on Lil Wayne so we can hear his voice? They're like, nope, <laughs> camera audio. I'm like, all right. Literally hit record, one take, they cut, and Lil Wayne's like, all right, peace. Dang. I'm like, what just happened? You know, like inside I was yeah. freaking out, but I kept it cool. But... All that to say that your preparation, all the gigs that you're doing right now as a filmmaker, as an artist, as a graphic designer, you might not be doing all the all your favorite things right now, but all the work that you're putting in is going to prepare you for the time that you finally get the opportunity to do what you love to do, to work with the people you love to do. You need to put in the reps so when you get to that opportunity and you only have one take to do it, you're going to kill that one take. Yeah. What a crazy so. story, dude. That's a Dude, that's that was a crazy a like I like I feel like that would have been so cool to watch that in a YouTube video or something like actual so, visuals of that experience. Do you have footage so, of that? 
Yeah, on my Instagram, if you kind of scroll down, my buddy got BTS of me doing oh, it, and I did snap. a I did a side by side, like half and half, so you can see me operating the Ronin, and on top you can see the little the video of them playing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that's wild. It, it was it was just one of those moments where I'm like, okay, like I'm 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 ready for this. I knew exactly what my sh- my settings should be, what my audio should be. Yeah, I knew how I wanted to frame it, and I'm like cool but if i if i would have got that opportunity two years ago i wouldn't have been ready exactly just that that like preparation meeting opportunity kind of thing you know absolutely i love that and you know like you said i feel like one of the biggest things is you just prepare you just keep preparing and you know all these people that you look up to in whatever industry you're in doesn't have to even be filmmaking or just music just any industry that you're in if you look up to these people if you can't get a hold of them or you can't work with them just yet one of my mentalities is just work your way up to the point where you're at their level and they'll just meet you at an event or something. That's like yeah. one good way to to meet people that in your industry is that like, yeah, they might be too busy for you right now, but just use that as motivation and just get to the level where they're like, they go to like some film festival, they go to some YouTube event and you're right there next to them as another yeah. creator, you know, yeah. alongside them. And then Absolutely. immediately right there, you can build something genuine. And so... There's just so many different ways to go about that. But I feel like now that one question that where, where are we on the time? Fifth. Okay, we're like not too bad, but we'll, we'll start kind of like getting a, one of my last questions I want to ask you is now that you've, you know, worked with um, big name people, not just in the filmmaking world, but, you know, just like your whole life as a collection, like all, all of these years, you've really put in the work. You really met some some big names in whatever industry that you were going all in on now that you know what you know now what do you think is the biggest separator between like quote unquote successful people and then people who maybe aren't there yet like what what do you feel like is the biggest separator you know mm-hmm. what do they have that other people don't or you know have you thought about that a little bit at all like what is what is the x factor if if you yeah. could coin it into like a statement um i think it's multiple things but I think to answer the question, uh, one, it's ambition. Two, it's don't be afraid to pursue your passion and take that leap of faith. Um, three, it takes a ton of drive and it takes a ton of hours that you're putting into your passion. And then four is figuring out a way of making money doing this. Because it's it's so hard for artists to price their art because we don't know what it's worth, you know. And and a lot of times, us as artists, we we lower our price because we don't think somebody's gonna want to pay two thousand dollars for a video, let's say. But realistically, that's what your worth is work and and worth and probably even more. Um, so I don't know if there's like an exact one thing that separates like somebody who's winning versus somebody who's not winning. Um, I just think a lot of people are scared to, to pursue that passion. And I'm thankful that I had whatever is in me that allowed me to say, I don't want to follow the typical lifestyle of working a nine to five. I want to figure out how to make money doing my passion and make a living. I don't need to make a ton of money. I just need to make enough to support the lifestyle that I want to have, you know? And, um, <clears throat> I think everything, everybody has that in them. Everybody has that passion inside of them, whether they, they already know or they're going to find it in the future. Everybody has the opportunity to, in 2020 and in a 2021 emerging world, to finally pursue their passion and do that for the rest of their life. You know, they might be at a job making $80,000 a year, but they're miserable. But if they were making forty or 50000 a year, selling Pokemon cards online and that's what they love to do. There's a way for you to do that now. I think me and you, at least I can speak for myself, I didn't grow up in a world that was telling me, hey, you can do make a living as a drummer and you can pursue your passion. We didn't have that growing up. It was you need to go to college, you need to go to school, you need to become a doctor, a lawyer, uh, a real estate agent, somebody that has a, a career that's set in stone, you're going to be financially fit for the rest of your life. That was always what was given to me and probably to a lot of people listening. But I never related to that. I always knew that I wanted to do whatever the hell I wanted to do 
and I wanted to make a living doing it, whether that was skateboarding, whether that was being a musician, whether that's being a filmmaker, being a creative, I want to make my own schedule. I want to call my own shots. I want to live the life that I want to live. If I want to wake up tomorrow at 12 o'clock, I can do that. <laughs> if I want to, if I want to edit for 16 hours tomorrow, I can do that. Um, if you know, I, that's the life I want to live. And as soon as you can identify what is the life that you want, everything kind of starts to fall into place and it becomes more clear what you have to do in order to pursue those goals and those dreams. Um, it, it's not hard being, I mean, it's not easy being a full-time filmmaker or a full-time anybody making a living off their hobby. It's difficult, but it's possible. And I think listening to podcasts like this, getting this kind of information, going on YouTube, looking up people who are doing what you're doing is important. Um, for me, what was important was I wanted to be around people that I wanted to be like. You know, I saw my buddy Andrew Sandler who was directing music videos for all the biggest artists in LA and I'm like, dude, that looks so cool. I want to do that. What's the best way to do it? If you can work alongside that person, you're in there and you're learning everything the way it's happening at the drop of a dime. Like you can go to film school, but you're not going to get all the the cutting edge knowledge of how the industry is doing it right now. But if you're on sets, you get to see exactly how DPs are lighting music videos. You get to see exactly how music labels are spending money for music videos and the marketability of those music videos, how people work on those kind of sets. So mm -hmm. I, I'm fortunate to shoot a lot of BTS for really big productions. And that's been my film school is when I, when I get to go on set and see how these production companies spend $300,000 on one video I get to see every aspect from the producers, from the directors, from the DP, from the gaffers, to crafty, to hair, to... I get to see it all in front of my eyes, and I get to take all that knowledge and put it into my own productions, into my own business. So I, I just love learning from osmosis. So I, I guess to wrap this up, if, if you have a passion, let's say your passion is filmmaking, and you want to be a full-time filmmaker or photographer one start surrounding yourself around people who are actually doing this full-time and are making a living out of it because you can learn so much from them of how they're doing it um and then two don't think that you have to follow the exact footsteps as somebody else because everybody in this journey has a different way of how they got there my journey started from being a musician and that's what got me into filmmaking. Your journey was completely different. And we've all taken separate roads to kind of end up around the same place. So don't think that you have to do the exact same footsteps as a Peter McKinnon, as a, as a Maddie, as a Casey in order to become a filmmaker. No, I, hone into your childhood. Hone into what you loved doing as a kid. Because all those experiences is going to make you a better storyteller when you do have the opportunity to tell these films and tell these stories. The reason why I tell the stories that I tell is because I am a musician and I come from this music background. So when I make films, I always put some kind of music in there. I'm always selecting a certain track that musically makes me excited, you know, and, and I think all that experience is what allows me to make the kind of films that I make. Um, I think I went off on a tangent, but no, 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 you're totally Hopefully good. Hopefully that inspires Hey, I'm, I'm sure uh, everyone is just like all ears right now. Like I was. <laughs> uh, and so, no, dude, honestly, like I said, I just feel like there's so much to take away for everyone. I mean, like everyone listening, like take, take what you want from what Rich has said. But I really feel like what you said really gave a good blueprint to anyone who might be struggling on trying to figure out where they need to go. And yeah. really just like aside from like Casey and all the people you've worked with, like you yourself, like Richie, like you've done so much already in your own career. That's like an example for people coming up in this industry, you know, like you've already accomplished so much. And you, I know that you're the person probably that is never like you're always striving for more. I mean, you're grateful along the way, but at the same time, right. you, you know, like you're so much more stretched to go. And right. so I think that people. Yeah, go ahead. I will say one last thing. 
don't get fancy you know a lot oh yeah yeah what do you mean by that so don't get fancy um meaning if if you're a filmmaker who wants to start making videos but you're you're, you know you're working a full-time job our mentality is always like i need to get the camera i need Mm. to get the best camera i need to get the lens i need to get the stabilizer i need to get the lights and then i can start making videos so don't get fancy as in start with your phone if you have a phone it has a camera you can start practicing your framing you can start practicing your storytelling you can start practicing your editing you can start practicing your coloring with a phone if you save up 500 bucks buy a camera on craigslist a full package my first camera i spent 400 dollars on a 60d and i had a 50 millimeter lens and i didn't understand crop sensors so everything was like 85 millimeter <laughs> on a crop sensor and i was like why is this so tight but it looks so good at 1.8 you know i had that camera for years until i finally yeah. bought an a7s2 so don't let the gear cripple you um, because no, totally. we've all been there. I've always been like, all right, I'm going to start my YouTube videos, but I need a, a 120D. I need a mic. I need this. I need that. Like every other creator. And it's like, no, like I, I have everything that I have right now. And it's, it's enough to start creating what I want to create. Exactly. Don't, and don't think you need that piece of gear to start literally start now. And that could not be more facts, especially with the story that you just told with the, with Lil Wayne, like, you literally just had your Ronin. You had your camera. What, were, what was the camera you're shooting on for that? Uh, it was an A7 III. Dude, exactly. A7 III video mic. Like, you would think, oh, like a Lil Wayne shoot. You're like, oh, they're probably on, like, some huge cinema camera, blah, blah, blah. Which, like, which they probably are normally. But regardless. They were. Regardless. Yeah, they, they like, were. Yeah. They were shooting on Ari and, you know. Yeah, yeah. And all that but, stuff. But my moment was an in-between from the music video. And I could have mm-hmm. been like, oh, we got to get the red and we got to get this. It's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. Like, I used what I had. If I had my iPhone at that moment, I would have shot it on iPhone. Exactly, exactly. So just using the tools, um, and that really just is super cool because I'm, I'm super stoked for you that you got Casey, you're like working with Casey a little bit more now because I feel like based off of this first interaction I've had with you, um, hopefully more in the future, but I feel like your style of editing, your style of like, um, just overall perspective on gear and tools is really up Casey's alley too. You know, it's just not really, I know obviously, and people might not know what we're talking about, but that tweet that you had posted, I think, but just Casey's response to you and the message about like titles and being fancy about in the video edit. And I feel like that's just super cool because you understand that and you understand that the best tool is the one that you have with you, regardless of the industry that you're in. And don't let gear be like a crippling factor before starting. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we just covered so much ground, dude. (laughs) Like, I really wish we were like in person because that would be super cool just to like go grab a beer after this and just like actually (laughs) chat, you know, but that, that might have to wait for when we actually meet up in person. But, um. Thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. Um, I really, really feel like there was so much value in this episode. And if you guys aren't following Richie right now on Instagram, you totally should. It's at Richie Films. Um, but additionally, is there anywhere, um, you know, where are you headed? Is there anywhere you'd like to kind of let people know what you'll be doing for like the next couple months or the next maybe year or two? Yeah, so I... I really want to start YouTube. Um, and what was interesting is last night I saw that um, I had I already had an attempt to start YouTube and giving tips and advice and stuff. I did I posted a video two years ago that I, I started watching last night and I'm like, damn, I already started doing this at my old apartment in Glendale and all the things that was happening in, in life at the moment took me away from that. But I feel like now I'm finally at a place where I can I can continue this YouTube journey that I've been wanting to do forever. So you can find me on on Richie Films R I C H Y Films. If you're a musician and you want to see some of my music stuff, I have another page called Richie Drums R I C H Y Drums. That's all my music stuff. And then I'm about to start my YouTube and start posting on it again. So if you want more content like this, which is just providing value and me talking about how I got these experiences. Um, you can go to youtube.com slash Richie Films or just go to my Instagram and I'll have the link there. Um, but that's where I'll be, I think, the next couple months, man. I really want to dive into YouTube. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. So you guys heard him. If you guys are wanting to support Richie and kind of hear more of 
what we talked about on this podcast make sure you go subscribe to his channel go follow him on instagram i feel like there's a lot of things you guys can take away from his experience not just mine i'm big on that you know like i don't have all the answers like i don't just follow me like there's so many other talented creative people out there that just have so many things that they can share so make sure you go right. um support his journey but other than that i really appreciate you coming to the podcast and i think we might just wrap it up from here thank you bro i appreciate it man and you keep crushing it i hope I hope to at least inspire one person on this podcast. That's the goal. If we yep. inspired one person, the job is done. Hey, I'm inspired. So we already, <laughs> we already there. Done. We already there. All right. Woo. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Peace.